Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Real Life Ghost Stories. We are one away from 15. Your propensity for counting is blowing my mind on a weekly basis. Our film review this week, our roughly 5 minute slash 10 minute, sometimes 15 minute, depending on how much we hate the film, film review, is Mama. And that film was released in 2013. It has 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. And before we begin with our analysis of this film, I'm going to read you a little synopsis. Good, good idea. Mama! Ooh! <laughs> right, I'm going to say this wrong, so I apologise. Don't at me. Hilemo de Toro. Thank you. Can you do that again? No, because it was really wrong. Hilemo del Toro presents Mama, a supernatural thriller that tells the haunting tale of two little girls who disappeared into the woods the day that their mother was murdered. When they are rescued years later and begin a new life, they find that someone or something still wants to tuck them in at night. The day their father killed their mother, sisters Victoria and Lily vanished near their suburban neighbourhood. For five long years, their uncle Lewis, played by somebody whose name I can't pronounce, and his girlfriend Annabelle, played by Jessica Chastain, have been madly searching for them. But when incredibly the kids are found alive in a decrepit cabin, the couple wonders if the girls are the only guests they've welcomed into their home. So what did you think of this film? I liked this film a lot. I don't think it's very, you know, it it was a bit scary in places, but it was just very interesting. And I thought the kid actors were really good. And I only worked out who Jessica Chastain was after we finished watching and she normally has strawberry blonde hair, which is why she I couldn't place where I knew her from. She looks completely different in real life. Yeah, that's true. She does. This film came, uh, or this film recommendation came from lovely Claire, who is um, one of our avid listeners, and I love her. And she asked us to have a look at it and review it. And I had seen it before, and then I rewatched it and realised that I couldn't remember most of it. It's really interesting because I like Del Toro films a lot and I'm also really interested in feral children in general. So the the phenomenon of feral children is something that is well studied. If you don't know the story of Jeannie, I suggest you go look her up. And there was also a story in Paris of a feral child back in like I think the 19 early 1900s. So go look those two stories up if you are interested in feral children. Mama is a story that is, I think it's really sad and lovely and it is a PG-13, I realised afterwards. So that would kind of demonstrate that it's not really a terrifying horror. It's more so a story about loss. It's definitely got some jump scares and some definitely sort of haunting elements to it. And actually, the first time we come across the, the girls in the cabin when um, oh, yeah, the people scary. are looking for, they're really scary because they're all like moving like creatures and really emaciated. Yeah, and, uh, so they, they live, they move like like animals on all fours and they've survived for five years on cherries, <laughs> which is uh, interesting, but they are very emaciated. And I think, yeah, the, gir- the girls who play the two little ones are very good. 
they're very good little child actors. The um, girl who plays Annabelle, Jessica Chastain, it says that they've been, you know, frantically searching for them. She hasn't. She's nah, not really she bothered. Really She's not really bothered by the by the arrival of her nieces she's in a band man she's in a band and she's cool and she just wants to play in her band and drink which is very important when you're in a band i don't you can see i've never been in a band so i don't really know what people in bands do but yeah it's a really it's a really lovely film and i think the it has all the stamps of a del toro film in terms of like even in the opening credits you're like oh this is a del toro film the creature that is mama once you see her once she stops being scary that that classic kind of oh okay that's that's what she looks like that's okay i can deal with that and she's very she's very cgi'd and all that jazz so as a as a creature in a film she's not really that scary but what you do get more invested in is the girl's relationship with her rather than her being like a demonic entity that's out to hurt people actually it's all about her relationship with the two little girls yeah and i think you've got a certain level of empathy for that mama character anyway because massively if you think right at the beginning she pretty much saves the little girls from being killed by their dad oh yeah that's at the very that's not really a spoiler because it's the very very yeah. beginning of the story um she stops the dad so the dad murders the mom and takes the girls off into this um remote forest and she he's about to kill them and mama saves the two little girls and she looks after them for those five years in the forest so the little girl the opening credits are all um pictures that the little girls have drawn on the walls Mama features very heavily in all those pictures and she has looked after the little girls, but she gets incredibly jealous when the little girls move into their uncle and his girlfriend's house. And it's all about that, that kind of coming to terms with loss and coming to terms with jealousy and motherhood and what motherhood actually means. And even though I didn't like the character of Annabelle, and I don't think you are meant to like her in the beginning, what she does, what, what they do really well is that it's a redemption story, isn't it? It's a redemption story, but also that, you know, motherhood is really hard. It's not easy. And then they take on these two children who have major issues. So yeah, it's just not, it's not, it's not the easiest journey for them. But I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, I like the way that they used um, the actor that plays Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones for both the brother and the uncle. Because um, obviously, not the brother, the father and the uncle rather. Yeah. Because um, the father's only in it for a brief bit at the beginning and then they have a longer haired version of him that plays the uncle. Yeah, it took um, us a while to realise it was Jamie Lannister as well. Yeah, and the uh, the little girl is really cute. Yeah, they are. They're really sweet. And they, like, even though Mama is meant to be this horrible, scary character, they love her. They they really, really love her. They play with her all the time and stuff, which is freaky, but really well done, I think. Yeah, I like the scene where you see the legs. Oh, there's a scene where the little girls are playing in the room and then <laughs> you realise that they're playing with Mama and then the next scene is just, you see the little girls, the littler one, she's just floating through the air yeah. having the time of her life but all you can see is her legs. But it, I mean, it's a lovely, lovely film and I definitely would, it's not one for hardcore horror fans, it's not going to kind of quench your appetite for scariness but it's it's just a really nice story. I don't know if it even if it is a really nice story. No, it's got creepy elements to it, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. But it's just, yeah, it's a good story. I people would, die in it. Yeah, people people actually die quite horrifically. I just realised what I was saying. And then I was thinking about that. There's a moment where Mama, like, wears somebody's skin. And I'm here going, oh, it's a lovely story. <laughs> it's really nice. It's all about love and loss. It's well, well made and it's got some good themes is what I think you mean. That is what it, I yeah. mean, rather than it being a lovely story. And it's, yeah, it's it's not one that will keep you up at night either. So I definitely would recommend, if you haven't seen it before, to go and watch it. And, like, massive thank you to 
Claire for recommending it because I had completely forgotten about it. And then when we saw it on Netflix, we just sort of bounced over it. We didn't really pay any attention to it. So if you, you know, if you do have film recommendations that you think we might enjoy, um, then please send them our way because, you know, we always love a good recommendation. And I forget every film I've ever seen anyway. So. And we will do Hereditary at some point. Yes, yeah, so people keep telling us to do Hereditary. I have seen Hereditary. So have I. So I don't really want to watch it again because <laughs> it terrified me. Well, we planned to watch it and then they'd taken it down from Netflix in the space that I saw it. Yeah, so we had to um, we had to change to Insidious, which was shite. But anyway, what would you? Well, how many stars would you give this film? Three and a half out of five. But I can't tell you why because it would give away too many spoilers. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for three and a half out of five. <laughs> it is a hard, but I think. I think Mama actually, when you actually see her, it lets it down a little bit because once you get over the fact that she's a little bit odd looking. You kind of go, oh, okay, I'm not really frightened of her anymore, and I don't think I don't think she is scary the whole way through the film. I think with the minute you realise that she's protecting the babies, you feel such an amount of empathy for her that it stops being scary. That depends how you interpret it, I think, because she could she's got the potential to be quite a scary character because of the thing is that she does to protect them. Yeah, that's true. So she protects them in a really negative way. Apart but from when a little girl went outside to see her overnight and then she just left her sleeping under a tree in the freezing cold. That was not very protective. Well, sure, listen, she can't be there all the time. <laughs> At that stage, was she not off killing somebody else no, in the little cabin? Yeah, yeah, see, she can't be everywhere. Don't you be putting her under too much pressure. This is exactly what I mean about putting mothers under pressure, all right? <laughs> Story about motherhood. She's in a cabin trying to kill somebody and you're here expecting her to be in two places at once looking after that little girl who climbed out the window of her own accord. So get back in your box, okay. all right? Because yeah. you're not a mother, so you don't understand. That's true, true. I apologise to all the mothers <laughs> that have had that scenario where they've had to be out killing but have not been able to also be at home with their kids at the same time. I apologise to you. So, our story today. I'm going to ask you a question. I haven't really thought about what my build-up to this episode is going to be. Or to this story. Roll? I don't need a drum roll, oh. no, because the table will fall apart. Yeah, true. What is your opinion of lighthouses? Um, I think they're quite necessarily... They're quite necessary for um, the shipping routes around yep. the coastal regions because they warn ships away from rocks even in this day and age of gps they still serve a purpose because it's a visual reminder that land is close by and they need to be careful where they're sailing but i also think they're probably quite lonely places to live back in the day when they had to be manned i think if anybody didn't know what a lighthouse was that lighthouse was that was a very succinct little you asked synopsis. about what i thought about lighthouse. i thought i didn't know you'd have an answer to that question i thought you'd just be like sorry lighthouses why well, ask me my opinion on lighthouses have you ever been to a lighthouse Yes, I've been to one in Kent where the Martello broadcast, radio broadcasts were made. And I've also been to another one that was also in Kent, but wasn't open. So I couldn't really get into it. And I've been to one in Australia. And I've, yeah, I've been to a few. Just well, I've questions. never been to a lighthouse before. <laughs> but this story was when I came across. I don't know when I came across it, but I think it's people keep asking us for like longer episodes and I keep making them shorter and shorter accidentally. So... Is this a longer one or a shorter one? It's probably going to be a shorter one. I'm not going to lie. I can I can just reel off like 20 minutes worth of lighthouse facts at the end. If you oh, want. brilliant! Okay, <laughs> I did not. I was not aware that you had a, an arsenal of lighthouse facts at your disposal. Actually, every day is a school day with you, Dan. Every day is a school day. So our story today is about a lighthouse. No. Oh. Oh, of course it is. Okay. Our story today is the Island Moor Lighthouse Mystery. On the 26th of December 1900, a small ship was making its way to the flannel... (laughs) (laughs) The Flannel Islands. 
the home of all those clothes that lumberjacks wear. <laughs> Where lumber sexuals are excommunicated to. Lumber sexuals. Yes. <laughs> right, let's try that again, shall we? On the 26th of December 1900, a small ship was making its way to the Flannan. Why can't I say that? <laughs> Flannan. Christ on a bike. Can we try one more time? Yes. On the 26th of December 1900, a small ship was making its way to the Flannan Islands in the remote Outer Hebrides. Right, can I pause there and ask a question? Is there an Inner Hebrides? Yes, there is. Oh, is there? Yeah, oh, there's right. two groups of islands off the northern coast of Scotland. Right, okay. So there's an Outer and an Inner Hebrides. I yeah. never knew that. I should have just Googled it beforehand, but I didn't. Its destination was the lighthouse at Island Moor, a remote island which, apart from its lighthouse keepers, was completely uninhabited. Although uninhabited, the island has always sparked people's interest. It is named after St. Flannan, a 6th century Irish bishop who later became a saint. He built a chapel on the island and for centuries, shepherds used to bring over sheep to the island to graze, but would never stay the night, fearful of the spirits believed to haunt that remote spot. Captain James Harvey was in charge of the ship, which was also carrying Joseph Moore, a replacement lighthouse keeper. As the ship reached the landing platform, Captain Harvey was surprised not to see anyone waiting for their arrival. He blew his horn and sent up a warning flare to attract attention. There was no response. Joseph Moore then rode ashore and ascended up the steep set of stairs that led up to the lighthouse. According to reports from Moore himself, the replacement lighthouse keeper suffered an overwhelming sense of foreboding on his long walk up to the top of the cliff. Once at the lighthouse, Moore noticed something was immediately wrong. The door to the lighthouse was unlocked and in the entrance hall two of the three oilskin coats were missing. Moore continued onto the kitchen area where he found half-eaten food and an overturned chair, almost as if someone had jumped from their seat in a hurry. To add to this peculiar scene, the kitchen clock and all other clocks in the building had stopped at the exact same time. Moore continued to search the rest of the lighthouse but found no sign of the lighthouse keepers. He ran back to the ship to inform Captain Harvey, who subsequently ordered a search of the islands for the missing men. No one was found. Harvey quickly sent back a telegram to the mainland, which in turn was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters in Edinburgh. The telegraph read, A dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land. Moore, who went up to the station, but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left Moore, MacDonald... Boymaster and two seamen <laughs> on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. Will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I've repeated this wire to Moorhead in case you are not at home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes if you wish to wire me. A few days later, Robert Moorhead, the board superintendent who both recruited and knew all three men personally, departed for the island to investigate the disappearances. His investigation of the lighthouse found nothing over and above what Moore had already reported. That is except for the lighthouse's log. 
Moore had immediately noticed that the last few days of entries were unusual. On the 12th of December, Thomas Marshall, the second assistant, wrote of severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He also noticed that James Ducat, the principal keeper, had been very quiet and that the third assistant, William MacArthur, had been crying. What is strange about the final remark was that William MacArthur was a seasoned mariner and was known on the Scottish mainland as a tough brawler. Why would he be crying about a storm? Log entries on the 13th of December stated that the storm was still raging and that all three men had been praying. But why would three experienced lighthouse keepers, safely situated on a brand new lighthouse that was 150 feet above sea level, be praying for a storm to stop? They should have been perfectly safe. Even more peculiar is that there were no reported storms in the area on the 12th, 13th and 14th of December. Mm. In fact, the weather was calm and the storms that were to batter the island didn't actually hit until December the 15th. The final log entry was made on the 15th of December. It simply read, Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. What was meant by God is over all? After reading the logs, Moorhead's attention turned to the remaining oilskin coat that had been left in the entrance hall. Why in the bitter cold winter had one of the lighthouse keepers ventured out without his coat? Furthermore, why had all three lighthouse staff left their posts at the same time, when rules and regulations strictly prohibited it? Further clues were found down by the landing platform. Here, Moorhead noticed ropes strewn all over the rocks, ropes which were usually held in a brown crate 70 feet above the platform on a supply crane. Perhaps the crate had been dislodged and knocked down, and the lighthouse keepers were attempting to retrieve them when an unexpected wave came and washed them out to sea. This was the first and most likely theory, and as such, Moorhead included it in his official report to the Northern Lighthouse Board. But the explanation left some people in the Northern Lighthouse Board unconvinced. For one, why had none of the bodies ever been washed ashore? Why had one of the men left his lighthouse without taking his coat, especially since this was December in the Outer Hebrides? Why had three experienced lighthouse keepers been taken unaware by a wave? Although these were all good questions, the most pertinent and persistent question was around the weather conditions at the time. The seas should have been calm. They were sure of this as the lighthouse could be seen from the nearby Isle of Lewis, and any bad weather would have obscured it from view. Over the following decades, subsequent lighthouse keepers at Island Moor have reported strange voices in the wind, calling out the names of the three dead men. Theories about their disappearance have ranged from foreign invaders capturing the men all the way to alien abductions. Whatever the reason for their disappearance, something, or someone, snatched those three men from the Rock of Island Moor on that winter's day over a hundred years ago. What are your thoughts? Insanity. Okay, go on. Collective insanity. I think it's like the, it's the loneliest job in the world, I think, isn't it? And even if there was three of them, it's just that endless isolation, I think. The storm thing's weird, because there was obviously something going on, but it wasn't a storm. Officially, they would spend, I think it was four weeks on the lighthouse, two weeks off on a rotation. So they'd leave the lighthouse for two weeks at a time. There were reports at the time of people on the mainland seeing a phantom ship sailing Mm. around the island. 
And there was numerous reports of a phantom ship sailing around the island at the time. So that's another kind of thing that's been added to the story. Creepy. There's also a theory that two of the men were out of the lighthouse and were on the rocks, perhaps collecting those ropes when the third man saw an incoming wave and ran out, hence the upturned chair, ran out to tell them and they all got swept away. But that doesn't explain all the clocks stopping at the same time. No, that's really odd as well, isn't it? Really odd. I don't think God is overall is a very... um, I don't think it's such a big question mark as the superintendent made it out to be. Why? Because if you take it in from the perspective of a written log only, then actually if you've got three religious men and they were in the centre of a storm and then the storm ends, saying that God is overall just means that God is in charge of everything, nature included, and he's dealt with it. I just really like it. I think it's a great story. Yeah. I don't really know what to say about it. And there's been, there's been books and films made about it. But I think you're right. I think it is a collective insanity. So collective insanity is like, that's not, there is an official term for it, but that's not the official term. But for example, there was a family in Australia a couple of years ago. The dad became completely convinced that they were all in danger. They were all going to be killed. And the whole entire family fled. Mother, father and three kids, I think it was. And they fled and they all drove off all over Australia. Eventually, all the kids came round, came back to themselves and were like, oh my God, what are we doing? This is this is madness. Nobody's chasing us. But the dad still maintained that somebody was chasing them. So there's a theory, well, it's, it's kind of a proven theory at this stage, that if you're in close proximity with somebody for an extended period of time and they have a nervous breakdown or a psychotic episode, that actually those symptoms are transferable because you spend so much time with that person that you just believe them completely when they say something bad is going to happen and if it is a collective insanity with these three men in a lighthouse where did they go but they could have gone anywhere off the island like they might not have just walked off like the closest logical point they might have just gone wandering off and fallen off a cliff somewhere else or jumped off a cliff somewhere else you don't know what kind of insanity they were having like the suggestion that they were one of them at least is experiencing the storm. Well, we know that much, don't we? Like yeah. not a real one, but well, not one that we can see. So yeah, you don't know what else they're experiencing, what they're scared of, what they're freaking out about. It's quite a disturbing story when you think about it like that. But I guess that's what makes it a mystery. And like the, the clock stopping is odd. And the fact that the the log is talking about a storm that never happened. But it was obviously quite real to them. So it could have been anything. Like it could have been a, could have been generated by the ghost ship. Could have been Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> there were people who suggested as well that they were kidnapped by foreign spies i don't know what you'd want with three lighthouse men yeah and what country would be bothered (laughs) viking invaders maybe i mean that's slightly going back in time yeah but ghost ghost viking invaders they do say that the, the the local people were frightened of the island in general so i wonder if this story the three men absolutely did disappear but i wonder if the story became a mystery because of the superstition that already existed around the island and the fact that people had said they'd seen a ghost ship like whether they'd seen a ghost ship or whether they had seen a ghost ship after they were aware the three men disappeared is two completely different things yeah absolutely and there are people who refute the idea that all of this stuff was written in a log that there was a half-eaten meal that the clock stopped at the same time there are people who say actually none of that ever happened that was only added to the story to give it weight yeah 
Well, it's still, you've got to replace those three men at the end of the day, isn't it? So you don't really want it to be too scary because you won't get any replacements. They did have replacements, but only for a couple of years afterwards. Well, then and then they, just they shut the No, they didn't. They made it automated in whatever, whatever way they did at that time. But there's something as well about the rural superstition of somewhere like the Outer Hebrides. When people were talking about the fact that they thought the island was like haunted, they were talking about fairies and they were talking about fairy lore. It wasn't just like other oh, spirits on the island. It's understandable that people would have immediately gone something supernatural happened rather than people going these three men weren't very well or one of the men wasn't very well and then something happened. Do you know? What if the one that was right in the log killed them all? Well, there is something about lighthouses that are just inherently creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's circular buildings. Sorry, S- sorry, sorry. Let's. Cir- circular buildings in mm. general. Yeah. Right. Why? Okay, so think about... Oh, God. Satanic rituals. Is this going to be something that I have to cut from the podcast? No, because this is all I'm going to say about it. Think okay. about satanic rituals. They always take place in a circle, right? It's like a like a pagan thing. I don't think you should build buildings. It's like a holy thing, isn't it? Pagan holy thing. <laughs> spiritual thing. That was the word I was looking for. It's like a spiritual thing. Like it's a spiritual shape. Like a circle. A circle is a spiritual shape. Yeah. Think about the um the the. I feel like you're clutching at straws here. Dome. Don't know where this is gonna go. What's gonna happen? The dome in in Israel in Jerusalem. Circle. What about it? Circle. But lots of the wheels more, are circular. Moorish, Moorish architecture. Circle. Wheels are circular. Yeah, and how magical are they? They get us from place <laughs> A to place B. No, okay, I've gone off on a tangent. Let's bring that back. But actually, it, it, I'm just. I think it's something about like it's probably like a a feng shui circle thing. I don't think it's healthy to live in a circle building. I just, I, that is, you've never ever said that before and I'm intrigued by the fact that you don't think it's healthy to live in a circular building. I don't understand the logic behind it. There's no space to hide. <laughs> There's no corners <laughs> yeah. to hide in if anybody comes to get you. I just think, I, I, no, I think it's like, okay, so this is going to make me sound really weird, but I think it's like a combination you of things. You are really with, weird. It's a combination of things with lighthouses, right? They're circular, which is one thing. They're on rock. And they're close to water. So it's lots of like elemental stuff. That's true. All sort of mixing together. And I reckon they probably did experience, like one of them probably did experience storm. Oh yeah, in whatever context, whether it was like a mental thing yeah. or whether it was a spiritual situation, or I don't know. Whether it was aliens coming down from the sky. How about we not talk about aliens? Can we not do that? <laughs> that was on the story. Yeah, you said so. I, I, you know, I danced over that bit and I was hoping we wouldn't have to explore the fact that they could have potentially been abducted by aliens. We don't need to talk about that. Or go on if you want to talk no, about it. No, that's all I was going to say. Okay. I don't know. I, haven't got, I don't think it's aliens. I think it's more likely to be a spiritual thing um, or one of them going mental. I think it's probably the one that was cooked right in the log probably ended up killing them all. And the one that was crying was probably crying because he'd done something to him. <laughs> I think it's a really good story. And I also think there's no weight in the fact that the body's never washed up. Why? Because I don't think bodies always do wash up. Like, if you fall into the sea, it's, there's currents, there's things that eat you. You can get trapped underwater quite easily. There's plenty, like, I, I just don't think it's, like, a logical... It's different if you fall into a river or, like, a contained space. But if you just fall into the North Sea, like, that's a vast water, a vast thing of water. And you never know, that might yeah. be Loch Ness's, Loch Ness Monster's route in and out of Loch Ness. I might have just seen it, eating them, kept going. Yeah, but I think Nessie is a vegetarian. Oh, okay. I'm making that up, I don't oh. know. Don't know anything about Nessie, really. So if you have any theories about what happened to those three gentlemen, please make sure to write to us. Before we do anything else, we've got new reviews that we yeah. need to read out. Whoop, whoop. You made my whoop, whoop noise. I did, you told it. me that I'm not allowed to do. Our first review is entitled Entertaining. Maybe it's just me being an American 
but this show keeps me cracking up from accents and odd terms. And that's from Mel63254. I want to know what these odd terms are. So if you're an American listener or you are the person that wrote this review, can you please tell me what these terms are that are odd that we're obviously saying that are cracking you up? You say that, but then if you think about like the first time you met me, there was loads of stuff I said that you didn't understand. Like, because oh, oh, I've true. got some kind of bastardized the spectrum of the English language. That's true. And there's all the stuff I say that you don't understand either, but we'll come back to that yeah. in a second. The second review that we have is entitled Must Listen, an extremely entertaining listen, great duo host to make the show more fun, lighthearted, yet creepy. Very good storytelling with a smooth, captivating voice. Ooh, yes, Queen, I know. Clearly talking about me. The As if. The eerie music in the background adds to the fun. Don't listen to the exorcism episode if you don't want to high your pants and they very sweetly put high instead of poo and that came from yari who's a miami listener miami hey don't know anything about miami but i'm doing a dance david beckham's opening his new football team there soon i mean david beckham if you're listening we'd love to have your guests as a guest on the show yeah tell us your spooky experiences and the last one is one of one of my favorite reviews that we've had actually It says, spooky and funny. Me and my boyfriend have been listening to these every night. Really interesting, funny and scary. Also, I'm Irish and my boyfriend is English and we both love ghost stories. So at times it feels like we're listening to ourselves. And that came from Puppy Smalls. Do you and your boyfriend get lost in translation with each other like Dan and I do? Because sometimes I say things and Dan doesn't know what I'm talking about and vice versa. That's got nothing to do with language, does it? It's to do with the fact that we just use completely different <laughs> colloquialisms all the time. If you are that person, Puppy Smalls, can you tell me, please, message me on Instagram. Do you and your boyfriend get lost in translation? We've had loads of emails this week of people's stories. I've got loads of lif- listener stories that we need to get through. Um, but I don't want to do a listener episode like every week because it will run out really quickly. So I'm trying to intersperse them between our regular schedule but if you do have a story please 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 message it to us because i will eventually get around to making an episode about it and people have sent me like really long detailed stories it's been great and i'm excited and those stories are going to take an entire episode they're not the type of thing where we can just do like bits of stories for a whole episode if you want to contact us oh no i've got a question before oh go on what's your question if you had to go to if you had to live in a lighthouse for the rest of your life where would you want the lighthouse to be oh that's a really good question can I bring the cat with me? Yeah. I don't know if she'll like a lighthouse, though. Ah, she'll be fine. As long as she's got a sofa, she'll be... Where would I want... Anywhere in the world? Yeah, anywhere in the world. See, I, it's, this is a bit tricky for me because the, the temptation would be to be, like, somewhere hot on a beach. But actually, my skin can't handle that because I'm the palest person alive. I don't know. Maybe somewhere in America. America! Fuck yeah! Oh, you did it. Because American people seem to enjoy my accent. So I feel like I just I'd get on really well in America. Where cool. would you Where would you live in your lighthouse? Um, I think possibly either Bonifacio in Corsica or Big Sur, somewhere along Big Sur. I'm sure there's some lighthouses there that I could take over. Uh, it's on the west coast of America. Oh, I I very sonically just asked Dan where that was. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so that's one of those two places for similar reasons to you. But obviously, if you live in the lighthouse, I didn't say yet to be a lighthouse keeper, so. Just if they live in a lighthouse. Well, I, I don't think I'd be a very good lighthouse keeper. I think you'd be a great lighthouse keeper. Would, do you really, though? No. <laughs> like, I wouldn't remember to light the light. 
and then it would be like that episode of the Simpsons. what are you talking about you leave the lights on all the time you'd be <laughs> the best lighthouse keeper in the world the light would never go out Again, we're airing our domestic grievances on the podcast. That's not okay. We've stopped doing that. If you want to contact us, you can contact <laughs> us on Twitter at RealGhostPod. I'll hand over to Emma for the rest of it because I can never remember. We are also on Instagram at RealLifeGhostStories and we're most active on Instagram because it's the one I always use. We're also on Snapchat, but don't bother. People keep adding me on Snapchat and I'm like, oh, I've already said I don't use it. So don't bother. You're not going to see anything exciting. We are on Facebook in our little private group that is real life ghost stories and the answer is emma and dan yeah in case you you know forget our names also shout out to vietnam just gonna put that out there why well, i don't know what you mean well we had a little bit of we've got some listeners mm. in vietnam haven't we so i thought you were just saying shout out to vietnam in general well yeah yeah we've but... got listeners like all over the world we've got listeners in vietnam hey we've got listeners in kenya hey we've got listeners everywhere i can't remember anywhere else now we've got uh listeners on the uh in the standby room at Heathrow airport Yay! Hey, Lucy. (laughs) So we've got listeners everywhere. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, if you enjoy our podcast, please come and review us on iTunes. It doesn't really make any difference to us if your reviewers are not in terms of like stats, but I just like to read the reviews. Most importantly, if you enjoy our little podcast, just tell people. And we do have some exciting things lined up. So like, granted, these episodes are quite short. Our plan going forward is to do longer episodes Dan week on the trot you said that Dan I know but I don't at the moment just for a little insight into our lives I am actually writing a thesis at the moment and working full-time as well and Dan works full-time but he works away so he travels quite a lot with work so we don't actually have the time to dedicate to this that we want however once my thesis is finished our plan is to make longer more detailed episodes but also we're going to be doing some other stuff. So we're going to be doing some videos. We're going to be doing some ghost hunting. Dan's raising one eyebrow at me. Yeah, thanks to everybody that voted yes, that would be a good idea to take Dan on a ghost hunt. Wow, I really appreciate that. <laughs> so I'm we're going so to, looking forward we're to, going to video Dan ghost hunting. And also we're going to do more little add-on podcasts. Dan wants to do his 15-minute film review podcast. What was it called? The 50p film review. Yeah, 50p, 50p movie club. 50p movie club that's it i couldn't remember which is going into hm hmv no see we've got a, we've got a second hand shop in the uk called sex um which sells dvds and they have a 50p range but i'm not going to explain it because we're not going to record it yet but it's exciting trust me and it'll be short like really short yeah so we're very excited about things that are to come but we need your help to make sure that we have enough listeners to keep doing what we're doing so we love you and we will see you next week peace Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist, that there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel. There's none of that. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash save. That's mintmobile.com slash save. Seriously, you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash save.